One thing I want to point out here is I want to show you his, this stuff has taken a huge toll on him. You know, Biden, right before the 2020 election, he was right side up, which in our polarized politics is quite astonishing. But look, Trump and Rudy Giuliani began this campaign to try to tarnish Biden, to try to turn him into the Clinton name, you know, with the with the obsession over, over the Ukraine businesses with Hunter. And it's worked. His numbers now look more like Hillary Clinton 16 than Biden 20. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites if you look at the polling still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? Mm -hmm. and, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to a Big edition of the Ruthless Variety program in what has been a momentous three-week run, fellas. And it's going to get more momentous. I mean, I hope all the folks at home already know Wednesday is going to be the GOP primary debate, but it will also be the Ruthless game day style pregame show starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 Central on YouTube. Yeah, tomorrow is going to be a very, very special day. Not only do we have fresh hot analysis <laughs> from the ruthless variety program Serving it up hot we have duncan's hog out there on the plaza <laughs> we will have everything. duncan's hog and we also have a lineup of guests that you will not forget you will not forget it. it listen if there's one thing that you've tuned into and appreciated about the ruthless variety program it's all coming manifesting itself into this program yeah. uh it has been a long time dream of ours to do a game day style setup before a big political event. There is no bigger political event than the first debate of a party that is challenging the incumbent to the White House. We are part of this mm -hmm. and it's historical. We're gonna do something different. We're gonna try to be, you know, ourselves. And anybody out there who's a fan of college game day knows that there's one facet to college game day that everybody looks forward to. And that is the celebrity guest picker. Mm -hmm. We will not disappoint on this front. In fact, we have our own super secret celebrity guest picker for tomorrow night. That's right. That's right. And much like the NFL, uh, we will be live streaming on YouTube, mm. which we will send out all of our links on all of our social media. So you will be well aware of where to find us. And that, my friends, is going to be a Big deal. I could not be more excited. This is going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible. Everyone, if you have not yet, subscribe on YouTube and be sure to check out this live stream because it's going to be amazing. It is really going to be amazing. So um, listen, before we get into the, the program here, we got a couple of things that we need to talk about. First off is when I say it's been a hell of a run, it's really been a hell of a run. Two weeks ago, we were in Iowa. Mm -hmm. We did a live show with like, I mean, a very big audience in the heart of Des Moines with DeSantis and Nikki Haley. We had Governor Reynolds. We had Senator Ernst. We had like a, a, just an enormous amount of, of energy for it was rocking in there. change in this country. And we had a lot of fun. And then the next day we spent literally all day in 90 degree heat, end to end, combing the fair, talking to people, going out and meeting with Pence and Burgum. And then we saw basically all of the presidential candidates, some of which I don't even know their names. 
And even Senator Grassley, with he, he was there for the breaking news of the special counsel yeah. for Hunter Biden. I mean, we've been all over, but that wasn't the end of it. We, it was not the end of it. And so Friday, right after you heard the program, uh, all of us loaded up on an airplane and went down to Atlanta to Eric Erickson's gathering event, where, again, he had basically all of the presidential candidates sans Trump. And that's a little bit of a pattern here that we're going to see again extended in Milwaukee is that you've got all of the presidential candidates showing up to every one of these sort of features mm-hmm. sans Trump and making their pitch. But there was, you know, it had been a thousand people in that audience. It was a great crowd. A lot of people we got to talk to. Uh, and then we did a show down there. Yeah. Yeah. Eric's put a really, really good thing together down there. I mean, he has, I think, I don't, I don't know how many stations, affiliate stations he has around the country. It's maybe it's a dozen or more or something like that, but he's got a lot of really big towers that are broadcasting his signal on terrestrial radio and everybody who hears it is extremely lucky. We were lucky to be down there. Obviously, you mentioned he had a huge lineup, but the crowd obviously loved the guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was his crowd. You mentioned Eric Erickson's name. Everybody went nuts. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they loved it, and he's been doing it for a long time. It takes a lot to put an event like that. Trust us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes a lot to put an event like that together and to get presidential candidates in the height of the primary out of the early states mm-hmm. to some other place goes to show what you were talking about, that he's got an awful lot of uh, a big following down there in Georgia and people understand how important Georgia is to winning this presidential elections. We've talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. So we were honored to do it. uh, But I mean, we're the hardest working crew in showbiz at this point. Pretty much. And then to, we'll be flying out right out to Milwaukee today. Yeah. While you're you're listening to this show, we are en route to Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh man. Well, you mentioned we had Grassley uh, in that interview, which you're going to hear uh, here on this show live mm-hmm. today. Uh, we're more than happy to do it, guys. He's just a he's a legend, and I, we would no, be nowhere on the Hunter Biden stuff without him and the commitment of his staff to make sure that the American people actually understand what's happening here. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, there's no interest from the news media. Clearly, the FBI, DOJ have tried their very best to smooth this thing over without raising awareness of anybody outside. He has made sure that that's not going to happen. That's right. Yeah, I'll say I'll say this this about um, Grassley because I think a lot of people just don't really have a full appreciation for what someone like him brings to the table. Um, I think most people out there, maybe not necessarily most people who are listening to the Variety program, but most people out there think, oh well, if if people in government are doing something wrong, if companies are doing something wrong, the FBI is going to investigate. Somebody in the government's going to investigate. The media is going to go after them. Yeah. And we know that's not always the case. That's right. Well, it's particularly if you have an R before or after your name on a ballot, that it becomes problematic. Exactly. So if you are interested in someone who's going to investigate everyone, regardless of party, regardless of anything, you, you're lucky to have Chuck Grassley in the position of authority that he's in because he doesn't stop for anything. Yeah, no question about it. There has definitely been uh, two systems of justice for the Democratic Party and all those affiliated with it have had a very different view than those who wear Republican stripes. And this is a guy who doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care what your stripes are. Justice is justice. He's done it for un- decades and has been very, very good at it. Um, so we're excited about that. You'll hear that at the end of this show today. Uh, also, just look, Wisconsin, let me just shout out the minions here for a minute. Um, it became apparent to us last week that 
there were some availabilities for us to try to get some folks mm-hmm. into this debate. Mm. And we sent out notice. I'm blown away at how terrific this audience is at mobilizing immediately. Yep. I mean, it is shocking. I mean, we can basically, I think, get thousands of people anywhere in this country at a moment's notice because of the commitment of people on this program to exactly what we talk about on a day-to-day basis, but their commitment to making their country a better place and a good time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, those folks, we won't spoil the surprises we have for them yet. But we for the minions who are going to be there live in person, let me tell you, 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 you've got the best deal going in what all you're going to be. I mean, you're, you're going to see and enjoy more than pretty much anyone at this debate. Yeah, it doesn't begin that. and end with game day. That's right. It doesn't there's, begin there's and, a lot. There's and a end lot. with We've the debate a lot, itself. A uh, lot of folks working with us to make sure everyone gets super hooked up there. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff there. So anyway, we're excited about Scani. We're excited about the first debate. We're excited about everything that we've been up to here over the last uh, couple weeks. But let's get into the news, let's shall do it. we? Um, all right, so a bunch of polls came out over the weekend that reiterated what we've seen here for months, which is Donald Trump has got a pretty sizable lead. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's not, it, it, it's sort of any poll, right? It's the NBC, Des Moines Register poll. Mm-hmm. It's the CBS poll. We saw all these things. We'll take the CBS or the NBC Des Moines one, because as we've talked about, I think the state-by-state stuff is more important at this point than your nationwide Mm -hmm. polling. But that shows Trump out with a 20-point lead over DeSantis in Iowa. And his advantage comes despite the fact, obviously, that he's been dealing with one tragically bad news cycle after another with the indictments and all that. The fact that he's got to turn himself over next week to Atlanta authorities as they're doing this debate. And he says he's not going to debate. He's going to do a Tucker Carlson interview instead of showing up to the debate. Um, But his lead seems steady. Yeah. Does it not? It does. And this is, like he said, in the face of all the challenges that he has faced legally. I mean, I think as of a few moments ago, he just posted, was it $200,000 bail? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know. Yeah, his his number seems durable for the moment. And he obviously takes a great amount of confidence in his ability to hang on to it. Otherwise, he would be there at the debate with everybody else. And I still, I think it's, obviously it's a long shot, but like, if he were to just at the last minute decide, I'm coming to Wisconsin, I don't care, it would be an incredible display. It'd be electric. It would. It I would. Mean, it would. And, and and none of the candidates have been preparing over the last couple of weeks for anything other than who they're expecting to be on stage. If all of a sudden Trump shows up, it, it sort of mixes. The, all the game plans is gone. Yeah. It changes everything. But he's not going to do it, according to every source that we have. He's just he's just not going to do it. And I'm a little bit surprised. You know, Tucker Carlson's obviously a huge, huge name. I'm just a little bit surprised he's doing it for a, a show that's already taped. You know, yeah, it's not live, right? So, yeah. it's, I mean, is it is it really going to be that interesting? Again, to- so I, like I'm not a campaign strategist for his team on the Trump campaign right now, but I just have this feeling that if he shows up. And he were dominant. I think that would freeze well, the numbers. It would end it, it. yeah, mm-hmm. in a way that basically no other thing could. 
but I think by not showing up, it allows oxygen for all of his opponents. And I think a lot of the numbers are going to shift dramatically after this first debate. I think so. You know, that's the thing. The calculation here is interesting because you look at where the numbers are, despite the backdrop of four indictments, you know, some of them quite serious, others frivolous. And his poll numbers continue to rise, if anything. And your immediate calculus, if you're in Team Trump, has got to be like, well, why would we ever endanger any of that? Just sit out and let these guys do what they're going to do. It doesn't change anything. But on the other hand, I think you both make decent points here, which is mm, the, in any normal environment, when you have people out working their asses off to try to earn votes, votes and introduce themselves, and the juxtaposition of that is either nothing or a very safe audience or even worse, you know, getting booked into county jail in atlanta mm. it just provides a different backdrop like i understand that everything's all fucked up and i if you would have told me 10 years ago that this was happening in american politics i would have said you're nuts there's no way that somebody could compete with that i mean it, it would be like what's his name from youngstown ohio uh trafficant mm-hmm. like james trafficant <laughs> all of a sudden being like the democratic nominee for president uh-huh. because of the legal issues he was dealing with as a congressman and like immediately he had to resign Mm -hmm. and everything else. This, it just feels like it has transcended all of the norms of politics to the point where I'm not sure what's up and down here and if it makes any difference whatsoever. You think it would, but like my concern is if I'm in team Trump, I'm looking at that and I'm like, is gravity ever going to reassert itself? Like, do you want to go out and make sure it doesn't or not? Hmm. And like, if it does, to your point that you just made, he could go put this thing on ice. Mm-hmm. It's like being in the fourth quarter of a, of a football game. Totally. You're up by a couple of touchdowns and you got the ball. Do you throw the deep slant to see if you can put another one on the board and make this thing o- over? Or do you just run the ball and try to burn clock? Feels like it's burning clock. In the Trump of 2015, end of the summer, he's beginning of the deep. fall 2015, he's thrown the deep slants. This is a different... The campaign, I think, I think this, this Trump campaign, we've talked about it over and over again. I think this Trump campaign is probably one of the best, if not the best, on the map right now. But the Trump himself is a candidate. He's just, he is, he's a little more cautious than he was the first time around. And I just, his, his, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like he's only responding. He's only responding. There's, well, there's, I think there's it's, just I think there's no it's, offense. But I think it's discipline. I think the thing that they've actually... I mean, look, you're never going to have a disciplined Donald Trump. But from a campaign standpoint, he's got some seriously wily vets around him at this point. And choosing where you engage has always been an issue for him. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he's engaged like on... Uh, uh, judges from Indiana where he didn't need to, you know, they, like he he basically takes a swing at everything in in campaigns past, and it's it's hurt him with mm. the center of the electorate. He doesn't, he's not doing that yeah. this time around. So I think y'all play that uh, board game Risk before. Sure. I'm sure everyone's played Risk. Hopefully, uh, sometimes you get to a point in the game if you've got a solid lead. Let's say you've been holding like North America and South America, and everyone else has been squabbling along, <laughs> fighting with small armies. There comes a point where we have to make the decision: Why don't I just clean the map out and take it? Right? Yeah. You've got a big enough lead. You've got enough armies ready to go. Why don't I just squash everybody and put this away? And I think that is a a question he could have asked himself at this moment is, do I show up to this debate? Do I just 
end this? Yeah. Do I end this now? And of course, the, the like least risky approach would be skip it, no downside to it. But like Ashbrook said, like 2015 Trump would have showed up and just body slammed everybody. No, he would have landed on the plaza in a helicopter. Yeah. The RNC would yeah. have said, no, 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 no. We have plans for that plaza. And he would have said, yeah, I know what your plan for the plaza is. My helicopter. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, he would it would have done it in the biggest way possible. And I, I, I but there's I, something. There's something. I guess, obviously, he's winning, so he's doing something. Yeah, right. he's doing something right. And I hate to, I hate to sort of critique this or Monday morning quarterback these decisions because obviously, so far, what he's done has worked to great fanfare. Mm-hmm. But there's something weird going on that you can't quite put your finger on. You take the CBS poll, for example, and the, you know, it asks like if honesty and trustworthiness is important to you who's your candidate and it looks like the ballot does it's like a 40 point spread of people supporting trump Mm -hmm. now i would i would wager to guess that even trump's most ardent supporters do not think that this man is a virtue of honesty and truth overall Mm -hmm. like yes he's told the truth about a number of public policy issues as president that you know normal people would not do maybe that's a reflection of that but like i mean Come on. But, but to me, that was, you know I mean? that, that, that was an interesting component of this poll is this is from the CBS News YouGov poll uh, that measured, you know, who do you trust the most among Trump supporters? 71 percent said that they trust him more than any other source over friends and family, over conservative media figures, over religious leaders. We're at 42 percent. while 71 percent trust Trump. I yes. think that's incredible. See, I, I just I. That's what I mean by there's something strange here. Mm-hmm. I think it's support in the sense that how you said that Trump is seen as an instrument of revenge against injustice. Right. Like if you believe conservatives are getting screwed, how do you respond? And so many people say, okay, if conservatives are getting screwed, I will vote for Trump. Like that is my shot back, yep. my F you mm-hmm. to the situation that conservatives find themselves in. And I think that's what I get from these numbers. It's not that like, yes, I trust Trump more than I trust, you know. My, my family. Yeah, my, my father. But I think I see this as, okay, it's become abundantly clear, especially with this Hunter Biden situation, especially with like this Alvin Bragg. Like there are two tiers of justice in the system. So no matter what, the answer is going to be Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, in my this we're in such an unprecedented situation that I'm, I'm I, I I sort of hesitate to even bring up the last twenty years of politics and how these things have played out. But you know, my inclination early on in my career was if something feels like it's elevating above gravity, it is, and it just it's at some point that's going to change because it doesn't. There is no absolute truth in 330 million Americans that is not true that just hovers there forever mm-hmm. it just doesn't work that way it hasn't historically and so you look at some of this stuff and, and you gotta say like is there an element of this electorate that is supporting Trump and I'm this is beyond the 30% that I think like as he says you go out in the middle of Times Square and shoot somebody and would support him I believe that to be true uh, but beyond that, what takes you to 30 to 50? And out of that group, like, is what we're going to see on Wednesday important? And I kind of get the sense that it is. I don't know if it's determinative, and I don't know if, if something changes overnight as a result. But I do think it's the unofficial kickoff for that 20% marker mm-hmm. to have opinions 
about things other than what they see on their TV and in their newspaper, which entirely revolves around Donald J. Trump. Right. It's also in, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's just it's it's flat interesting that you have all of these people once again standing on a debate stage, wrestling for the chance to maybe be the candidate for president. And if Trump something happens to Trump and by the way, the backdrop here is for indictments. And so Trump has the big lead. But there are a lot of voters who even support Trump who are like, well, what happens if, you know, I don't know how the laws work. What if the Democrats really, really screw him and we're, you know, we're looking for a completely different nominee? You're going to have a lot of people who are more interested. And I'm sure that this Trump Tucker recording is going to have a multi million viewer view count and the press is going to write that. But in reality, your typical voter out there who's a Republican primary voter, even if they support Trump, is interested in what's about to be said on the debate stage. No question about it. This is part of the reason why we're happy to be a part of it. So for those OG listeners to the program, uh, you know that Hollywood Hen has been a stalwart part of our production here, but she hasn't been on in a while. And I don't think she's been on actually since we've had the new studio. No, yeah. No, it's been just except for the one time when I uh, did the ending for Smug when yeah. he was gone. That yeah. was it. So, <laughs> uh, without further ado, uh, the intro to Hollywood Han. So, Han. Yes. <laughs> we've talked about a range of Hollywood issues yes. while you've been here. Mm hmm. And your breadth and depth of expertise is really quite something. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that perhaps you were most passionate about yeah. was the Free Britney Free Britney, movement. that's right. We are wondering, because we have nothing but our commitment to honesty and integrity here uh -huh. on the Ruthless Friday program, whether or not there are any regrets. No, I have zero regrets. Zero regrets. Really? I 100% have zero regrets. <laughs> yeah. So, we, so this is in the wake of, news came out over the previous weekend that essentially Britney has gone wild. It says, no. this is from a CNN article, <laughs> Britney Spears says she- CNN, so you know it's right. So you know it's true. Britney yeah. says she couldn't take the pain anymore as she addresses divorce from Sam That's the man- That's going wild? Well, She's no, getting a divorce? Well, hold on, hold on. The wildness I would submit, and mm -hmm. perhaps I'm wrong about mm -hmm. this, but she's done quite a few videos. Yeah. As she installed a stripper yeah. pole in her house after yeah. filing for divorce. Uh -huh. uh, she filmed videos on said stripper pole. Right. Uh, she's uh, interacted with, it seems like, according to a publication here, uh, someone other man. She has like, it was like her manager, Cade Hudson, and some of their friends. She went over to his house. Wait, Cade Hudson was hanging out there? Cade. Oh, okay. And a different Hudson. I was going to say, it's like almost famous. They're just like full Zeppelin. <laughs> and, and they were just hanging out, getting a little rowdy. I, I will say, I don't agree <laughs> with... With her life choices? With her life choices per se. I'm not saying You're that... You're not going to endorse the strip Right. Pole. I'm not saying that, that those are good things. However, I feel like she can do whatever she wants and who cares? Sure. But of course, like, look, the whole run-up to the Free Britney movement was that her father had a conservatorship on her estate. Yes. And, that, and her person, don't forget. And her person. Yes. And her person. And the argument was, of course, that this is a grown woman who has agency and can do whatever she yes. wants, and she's thoughtful and can do, wants to live her own life. Uh, very clearly not thoughtful. <laughs> that piece of it's fallen by the wayside. Adult and live her own life, for sure. For sure. Uh, I think just like for the core Britney fans uh, who you are amongst, yes, yes. Uh, 
um, this is where right still kind of where we needed to be. I just feel like you have to like step back to realize just like how traumatic her conservatorship was. Mm. So, you know, you have this girl who reaches fame and fortune at the age of 16, which is what they say, you know, when you become famous, that's when your social emotional intelligence kind of stops. So let's say Wait. she's basically acting as a 16 year old in an oh, adult body, boy, right? I actually didn't realize that. That's oh yeah, a... they say as soon as you become famous, like that's the age that hmm. you are for the rest of your life, oh, kind of. Interesting. Um, so she gets that fame, which in and of itself is just ridiculous and would mess with anybody. Her fame is inextricably tied to her being this Lolita type character where mm. she has to be pure, but also enticing and sexy, which messes with your head. Sure. Then she goes on to have the love of her life, Justin Timberlake, just that. Didn't work. Didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So she goes a little, she thought she was gonna marry that guy, goes a little nutty. You know, things happen. <laughs> and her parents swoop, her, not her parents. She goes a little crazy with all of her fame, right? It would go to anybody's head. She's a little messed up. Instead of being like, hey, you know what? We love our daughter and we're gonna take you out. We're gonna take you back to Louisiana. Maybe you should get some counseling. Maybe right. you should, let, let's let's take you out of the fame world for a little bit. No, they, they use her as their personal ATM. Mm. They put her on all these meds, which I'm not a doctor, but I, I don't believe she was she needed to be on lithium at the time. Right. You know, they, wow. that 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 fries that seems your like brain. A lot. I'm just saying like those those can fry your brain forever, right? But like they need to keep her crazy enough to be in the conservatorship. So I mean, she would, she probably wouldn't go to Louisiana peacefully. This is a, this is a person who like you saw everyone saw the video. She like shaved her head. She's like hitting cars with with weapons. When she this she's is like she's hanging out with Lohan. I, see, I, I disagree. I think I lock think, her up. I she's think, a, I she's think a there were people in her life that could have reached her, and none of those people outside of maybe her mom really tried. But her family treated her. But like her family, she's like but a then show animal. right. But then her dad comes in, ruins her life. The, we forget. We think the conservatorship was this benevolent dictatorship where, mm. like, they were oh, actually looking out right, for her. Interests. No, they they put her in in on drugs she shouldn't have been on. They put her in lockdown, mm. like physical lockdown when she shouldn't have been. She has like physical numbness in the right side of her body from some of the treatments that they Good put her God. through. If I and had to then guess, we're like, and then we're like, and she wasn't even allowed to have coffee. She wasn't allowed to have friends. She couldn't have. A phone i mean this is like and this is like what she couldn't like drive 15 her years of her life yes, yes after all famed conservatorship like yeah the girl has now nobody that she can trust and is maybe like a little unsure of what she's doing. If I had to guess, the the drugs that she takes without doctor's permission are probably doing her a lot worse than the ones Do that she think? did with theirs. She attacks. She's a, she's a threat to society in oh general, which is the thing. <laughs> like we've seen, she's violent. Her, her, we've seen her she's kids, a violent. She she's, dances on a pole, and it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is too far. Meanwhile, What's all, with these the other, all these She'll, other she can hurt these girls, kids. They, she other, should be locked up. I'm sorry, like all these other. Cardi B and WAP and all this stuff like that. Oh, yeah, like, right. I mean, what is the line here that we're drawing that like it's okay for everybody else, but when Britney does it, oh, she's crazy. Smug draws she's a crazy. hard line on stripper poles. I, yeah. He hates them. Well, he just can't. He they, just they can't should all do. be locked. Again, up. disclaimer: I'm not for any of this behavior. I think it's not. So wait, hold right. on. Let, before we before we just sort of like get to the end of this, it, it seems to me like your take is. Of course she's crazy. Of course. She was born saying, to be crazy uh, well, after she saying, became right, famous. I'm just saying, of course she has issues. She was beyond famous and locked in a conservatorship where everybody was, was using and abusing her. And we're like, and then it ends and we're like, 
oh, she'll she'll go back to the 1990s, Britney. And it's like, no, well, she's been through some stuff now. Uh-huh. Like, there's no way. And I just think, like, everyone needs to give it a beat. Like, there needs to be a lot of healing that goes on. I mean, I call it. And honestly, <laughs> I don't know that after all she's been through, if her brain, like, I, I don't know what she was on. It's kind of like, can't is there a normal balance now? That's why I think she's, yeah. she's kind of, a threat to society. It's kind of like Judy Garland. You know, they had her and Wizard of Oz on uppers and downers, and then mm. she was on pills for the rest of her life. And her brain never really recalibrated. It's yeah. Like, I don't know if you can... I don't, I don't know what that's like. I, I just want to say, I called it... I said, like, after if they get rid of this conservatorship, she's going to go ham. Sam <laughs> the man is going to clean her out, so she's getting a but divorce. But he's not, he's not going to clean her out. He's going to get the a best ton of part. money. He was trying to blackmail her to get their prenup redone, and... Brittany, this is the husband Brit- who's just left. Who's just left. And Brittany and the lawyer were like, no dice. Like, So out he goes. Out he goes. And you he's, know what? He's going to get some For money. the record, I was always suspect of him because he was there during the conservatorship. And it's like, who are these people that were okay with that crowd and then kind of stayed on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was kind of like, well, we could, that's one deal? thing that we were all very yeah, concerned about. Yeah, we were concerned about, about him. And, and that was the dude's rock segment of our deal. Yes. like Sam ultimately yes. is the one that got Played the, the long game. But now, yeah, but now everybody's turning on him. Now he's out too. He's going to get at least a few million dollars. But, She's going to spend the rest of the money on drugs. and go- It's like the end of Casino. Well, you're you know so that's concerned about happen. Are you so good? Like, okay, she pops a couple of pills and accidentally gives you a lap dance. Is that the threat to society I think, here? I think you should let the dad and Sam decide what to do with that. Oh my God. It's just amazing. Apparently she came out a source came out and said that um, it was he Sam was fine with her during her conservatorship but when she got out of it she 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 could call the shots and do what she like he didn't like it anymore that she was able to kind she of was dangerous she, she shouldn't be around kids. shot caller yeah <laughs> she became a shot she became caller. a shot caller and he Sam he Sam which is a, is his real name was out of there he Sam uh-huh which is the way that she addresses him which is funny because he doesn't like it and so <laughs> She on all of her Instagram posts calls calls him he Sam just to like dig at him and it makes me laugh. Was she? And I don't know if you know this or not, but like you know, there's a lot of videos out of, uh, over the last six months that yeah. she's produced herself for her yeah, own Instagram. Yeah, not suitable for right. any of our audience. Don't well, look not at any, any, but any. Don't look at any of her videos, people. <laughs> if you're under uh, the age, the tender age of eighteen, uh, you certainly should, not. You should not do married that. men do not look. And, 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 wait, she, she has kids in the house with herself. While no, she's doing her, no, her kids are with Federline, like long possibly gone. moving to Hawaii. I mean, I think that tells you right there. Well, what, she can't he, be trusted with her kids. What, you know, I, I, she should be trusted I, with I, their I, money. I don't think I realize that Britney Spears has children. Oh yeah, Federline. Dude. Oh, sweet, yeah. sweet Ashbrook. Come I, on. I, I, well, the, tr- the truth is, sons. the truth is, if I see celeb news, I, I usually turn the page. Oh, it's just it's, it's my fault. This is why I actually. You need the this is why I need the updates. Yeah, because you have daughters. You got. I do. Know. I got to know this stuff. Uh-huh. So she has one kid. Two. Two, two, two kids. Yeah, with Federlin. Federlin. And, and this How is what she does. Kids. They're teenagers. Te- okay, mm-hmm. they've been around for a while. Yeah. Man, Britney Spears has teenage kids. Yeah, she's over four. She's forty-two or something like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes you feel... I think it's really time to lock her up. This is is a sad story. (laughs) She's going to hurt other people. And and the time is now. She literally sees no one. She stays in her house all day and does twirly dance videos. And people are like... Lock her up. Freak out about it. Lock her up? She's also like kind of looking a little rough. Yeah. You know, Dare, (laughs) I don't want to be someone... But go She's ahead. always going to be hotter than I am. So let's just oh, put that, that out is, there. That's nonsense. It's anyway. Britney Spears. She okay. does not have those glasses. No. She does not have these glasses. But, well, she might. They're vintage Dior. But, <laughs> um, but there's something with her teeth and hair that, like, 
I feel like she has enough money to fix that. That's stuff taken care of. A conservatorship perhaps would have made yeah. some kind you of arrangement. If only there was someone to help. It didn't look good then either. Her teeth have been mm. weird for a little while, and I, I can't, I can't figure it out. I, and that, I things are not great in the Spears. Yeah, world. it's it's not great, but I still stand by the fact that like steadfast commitment, a steadfast commitment that like we for, like issues don't equal conservatorship. Okay, she should not have her dad telling her she can't drive her own car. I mean, like it went very, very, very far. This is what we wanted to hear from you, Hedberg. Yeah. She's allowed of, to be crazy. People are allowed to be crazy. People, Kanye's not in a conservatorship. He's crazy, oh. and I, you know. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Just saying. Is there anything else happening out there? Um, probably. What it, I mean, J Lo and Ben just um, their one year wedding anniversary they just celebrated. See, dudes continue rocking. <laughs> that one is wild. Sam I, finished. He's he, he's gonna clean Brittany out. I don't care what any prenup says. He's gonna he's clean her not out. Gonna or clean else her he's gonna write a book. So they're gonna have to pay him money to shut up. <laughs> and Ben <laughs> is Ben is back in the house. He's cleaning out J Lo. The Ben you can't get a movie. The Ben will be that. I, I'm dying to see how long this lasts. I mean, so far, so good. I mean, a year in. Seems so, pretty stable. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Paris Hilton had a kid. Yeah, I saw Really? That. Yeah, a yeah. son the, named yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Um, just now? Just re- like, like over the summer? It was via surrogate, so you wouldn't know because oh. she still looks fantastic. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Other yeah. things cooking, but those... Well, Brittany's, listen. Britney's really the main thing. Britney's the main thing about. is the main thing. Yeah. We appreciate your yeah. appearance back here, Hollywood Yeah, glad Hen. to be here. Oh, Thank it's great you. to have you back. <laughs> All Until right. next time. See ya. All right, so German uh, Germans have a real problem here. Mm-hmm. A time real. Time, every it's a flag years. of drunken raccoons mm. that are raiding homes and killing pets. Uh, this is according to the Telegraph. A plag of invasive <laughs> raccoons with a taste for German beer is causing havoc by raiding homes and killing treasured pets. Homeowners have faced repair bills of up to 10,000 euro after returning from a holiday and finding the animals have destroyed their kitchens. Germany's National Housing or Hunting, I'm sorry, Germany's National Hunting Association says that it killed a record 200,000 wow. raccoons last year in an attempt to control the population up from less than 10,000 two decades ago. Wow. Scientists say that the growth is almost exponential and unbelievably adaptive adaptable animal uh, that attempts to control it through hunting have had adverse effects of increasing its already prodigious birth rate. Uh, boys. Raccoons are dangerous. They're bad they're, animals. They are absolutely is dangerous. There a, is you, there a recommended, you, an Ashbrook recommended yeah, no, technique? There is. And, and you know, what's funny is the idea for the banana pool comes from an old raccoon trap. Oh my gosh. Really? An old raccoon trap. If you have raccoons in your yard, Dig a hole in the ground, put a garbage can in the hole, fill it with water, and cover it with trash or nuts or something, rancid meat, something that raccoons will want. They dive into the trash can, they drown in the water. <laughs> it is, it is, and I'm going to love tried and true. one of our listeners. They're going to rent a digger, and the wife's like watching in the backyard while this guy's digging a pit to put the trash can in. <laughs> like, it's fine, honey. But the, the reason why you have to, the raccoons. The re, reason why you have to do it that way is because they're nasty animals. I don't know if they're horrific. Guys, they, they're disgusting. They, they have the sharpest claws. Oh, no, they kill they the shit out of the dogs. They are the most aggressive too. thing. Like, you do not want your pet out with a raccoon. They, 
they will take it out. Yeah, you you really don't. I mean, we had friends with a chicken coop in their backyard, and they had an 11-year-old son that every morning his oh job was to walk outside and feed the chickens. One morning he walked outside, and it looked like Freddy Krueger had been in the building all night. It was just chicken guts and blood all over the place, and he came back in crying. He's 11 years old. He lives in the suburbs. And it was raccoons? And it was raccoons that tore him apart. Well, you got to teach him that's the day. It's like you have to make a vow to me today. Well, you'll you know, kill every raccoon you, you, you've ever seen in your life. You know, my, never my, forget this moment. My, my friend did take care of those raccoons. That's the thing. Is is they are such a menace. So this article, it, it, it continues the story rather. This is from the Times in the UK. It says that Belgium is fighting an invasion of raccoons by trapping, castrating, and sterilizing them. It says raccoons are native to North America. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, no, whoa, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you for stopping him there. They're trapping and castrating and sterilizing them as if like performing a vasectomy on exactly. a damn raccoon right. is the answer here right. this is what's the this is the problem with belgium oh. you're gonna put them under and grab an exacto knife to oh. change their ability to recreate like reproduce rather than just like so, dunk them so i, I want to get through throw that. them in the north sea for crying out loud well, I, I want to get to that because <laughs> the the story of how insidious these raccoons are continues so it says here Raccoons are native to North America, but were released into the wild in Germany under the Nazis. And they started appearing in uh, Belgium in the 80s. So, like, clearly these are Nazi raccoons. They've, you know, remembered their history, and they're going to start invading (laughs) Belgium. They might go to Poland. Uh, Sterilizing is not going to be enough. There's only one way to deal with these These are Third Reich-motivated yeah, raccoons. I mean, you, you got a machine gun the bastards until they learn. I you think know? you need. I think you need to put these things all out of their misery. Yeah, there's no there's no surgery to be had on something like this. Right. It's wild to me that they even came up. Like, what you're going to go through the trouble of t- of of corralling this right. filthy mongrel of an animal right. and, and like take it out and then perform intricate surgery yeah, they, like for sure putting it under right, right. i mean because Peter wouldn't let him do give, it, give it give it a nice meal afterwards nurse <laughs> it back to health make sure that they're it's okay and then set it back onto somebody else's garbage cans in belgium this is why the belgians are falling apart yeah They've already done a pincer into Belgium. Was it, they're going to try to take the Sudetenland pincer. before these people realize, you, you know, you can't appease these people. You've got to take them out. Every single one of them. Can we talk a little bit about the fact that they're drunk? I mean, that's the impressive thing. Is So this guy says, this guy, uh, uh, Berthold. Langenhorst. Langenhorst. Uh, he says the raccoons are funny and clever and they like beer. I think Langenhorst likes beer, too. That would, be, that would be my guess. He described how he recently watched them knocking beer bottles over at the lake uh, to get the liquid inside. He estimated a 1,000 raccoons inside of, Ber- of Berlin, uh, where they've been found living in state high schools, Jeez. boarding buses, and increasingly in allotment gardens. This is how it begins. Wait, You've what? got a 1,000 of these in Berlin at some beer hall, having a great time. Next thing you know, they're starting to invade other countries. We've seen this story before, folks. <laughs> you know, a thousand in a beer hall. Oh, they seem nice at the time. You better wait. They're up to no good. A couple of bottles of suds hanging out with your buddies. Next thing you know, you're Al-Qaeda of rac- raccoons. <laughs> right. They're marching on France. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What if, what if this is... What if this is what if this is their strategy? This is their strategy. What if man? this is the it's ways so the Germans clear. are coming back? Oh, dude, we got to keep it We got. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 
the climate change chick didn't get her way, so they were like, fuck it, let's release the cat- raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, incredible. All right, so we also want to get back to some serious news. This story will blow your mind, and it never gets the kind of attention that it should, but this is, hats off, uh, first to Politico, which reported it, um, which it was a very, very good story, and Axios has done a follow-up on it. But it turns out that Hunter Biden's lawyers, now ex-lawyer, wanted to put the president of the United States on the stand mm-hmm. as a basically a leverage play against the government when they were considering building charges against Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. And there's many, many quotes. Like you should go to the Politico story and, and read it to begin with because it's it's very, very good. This is uh, Betsy Swan, Betsy Woodruff yep. Swan, who Long, wrote longtime reporter. She, yeah. I mean, among the most prolific reporters of this day. I mean, she's she's worked her way up. She's worked her way up. She's very, very good at what she does, and she's well sourced, obviously. And they released a whole bunch of documents that show correspondence going back and forth. And it turns out when the government was basically like, "Yeah, I think we're going to charge Hunter." They're like, well, okay, well, we're going to have a character witness here on this. And it turns out it's the president of the United States. So you go up and tell your boss that uh, that's going to happen. And they were like, ah. Incredible. And and you can see throughout the piece, and there's a, like many, many little like quotes and anecdotes back and forth, but you can understand now what was impossible to understand a couple weeks ago about why it is that the government was so reticent to go full hog on Hunter Biden mm-hmm. because they're also dealing with lawyers who are very willing to leverage the current sitting president of the United States against any charges. I mean, it's really <laughs> unbelievable. It is wild. I mean, to be honest with you, the whole thing played out like an episode of Suits. I don't know if you watch that show, but it's like it's like the most daring, ridiculous, you know, lawyerly conduct that you can, couldn't possibly work, but it somehow worked. I mean, I think that is part of, you know, maybe this was the one time in a moment of clarity Hunter realized, maybe if I make sure the big guy goes down with me and I kick 10% to him, this works out. It's like my get out of jail free card is, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take the big guy with me. And they called the bluff. Well, I mean, he clearly has to be briefed on the tactics because it's involving his father. But Whatever it was, I mean, it didn't come to fruition, but whatever it was, clearly they knew that that was the ultimate leverage play on a Department of Justice that reports to Joe Biden. And it worked. And it worked. Yeah, and and everybody who's working for Joe Biden at the Department of Justice or in the media was like, oh, well, you can't have Joe Biden on this. It's a constitutional crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a constitutional crisis. You, you just, you simply can't trigger a constitutional Is crisis by Joe Biden being on the stand. And it's like, they, I've never I've never heard word one of constitutional crisis when it came to lying about Russiagate. Nope. You know, never heard word one of constitutional crisis when it came to lying about every other aspect of Donald Trump's presidency. No, it's 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 just a degenerate son right. that has somehow sparked a constitutional crisis. Are you kidding me? It's incredible. I mean, it is it's wild, but you've got to read these stories because you begin to see how things became what they currently are. Mm-hmm. And you understand why it is that there is a mixture there between thumb on the scale and actual probably fear of employment. At one point I read a, a quote in the Betsy uh, uh, Swan story 
about a lawyer basically saying to a prosecutor that this would be career suicide if you charge my client. Mm -hmm. And he's, I mean, he's playing it up as heavy as he can. And they're like, he's probably right. Isn't that crazy? That's a mess. Probably right. I mean, that's, that is the system. So begin to, he's right. And that's when you're thinking about the two systems of justice thing, it's not as simple as, well, this person's a Democrat and we and we don't charge them. This person's a Republican and we do. You also enter into it a whole bunch of defense attorneys who in this case in particular are willing to go to the absolute fucking mat mm. to make sure that a maximum pain is bestowed upon the people who are trying to bring charges in this case. And you now you can see how the two systems of justice begin to arise mm -hmm. because it's not illogical it's not purely pop partisan it has elements of of ambitious young prosecutors trying to make their way up in a democratic administration it has elements of you know defense attorneys who want to represent their clients interests who are willing to like burn the whole thing down mm -hmm. in order to secure innocence from their client so i mean it is ugly. I think what you're saying is very, very important because if you're wondering how can a guy allegedly, 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 how can a guy allegedly not pay his taxes, break all these gun laws, and have some crooked scheme where he's kicking money back to his dad, who's a huge figure in the, the American government, and not get charged with anything? If you're wondering how that happens, what you just said mm -hmm. is exactly the way it works. That's it. That's it. Now, you look at, and this is, this is the thing that you, all need to think about because smug you've got a very definitive opinion on this i waver back and forth but the way we've looked at how republican administrations and democratic administrations have administered justice throughout our history republican administrations don't they don't deal with the shit they don't deal with the shit they actually believe what's written in the constitution they be they believe in the whole you know one nation under god thing too and all of that stuff does not affect the leverage of who's employing whom if they did we certainly wouldn't have had Russiagate or Robert Mueller or anything else like that we just wouldn't have had it because it would just been squashed overnight Republicans have basically tried to carry out justice where it resides these guys do not that's why I think you know there can be no unilateral disarmament. I, I think the next time Republicans are in a position to, it's time to return the favor. The only way that this system ends is when it becomes untenable for everyone. This kind of like mutually assured destruction of where right now, Dems alone are exercising the government in a way to help themselves and punish their enemies. That's, ex that's essentially what their party stands for at this point. Not on any issue. They believe in nothing. They're nihilists. But for so long, you've seen Republicans be like, oh, well, we can't do that. You know, that would be wrong. Yes, the Democrats are doing it, but we have to maintain principles. Principles are good up to a point unless they just lead you getting slaughtered. It's like, you know, you don't want to end up against a wall being like, well, imagine if a Democrat did this to us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this, this is the situation that ends up happening is when you allow one side to do whatever they want and say, you know, in the interest of, of falling principles, you know, we're not going to do the same thing to them. It has to be make them suffer the same way. And then there comes a detente where it's just like, okay, we we got to stop this because it sucks for everybody here. But un, as long as they can enjoy it and enjoy watching their enemies, the conservatives suffer under this system, they're going to keep at it. 
I think that's the best explanation you've had of your point of view, to be honest. That feels right. That's, that's how I roll. It feels, it feels like, usually it's a little crazier than that. <laughs> like, it's, hey, just, it's that simple. It's that, that simple. That, that, seemed, that seemed like you knew what you were doing there. All right, do we going to do this subtitles thing? Here's the thing. I, I've gone nuts about mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. and Axios has got this piece about why young people can't get enough of subtitles. We've covered it previously on the, on the program. I mean, maybe I'm dating myself. I think subtitles are insane. Like, unless you are literally deaf what are you doing with that or or if you're in like a bar setting where you have music over the top subtitles could be maybe right. helpful right or if you're in a house where kids are running around with their friends yeah and, and you're just trying just to tell the kids to be quiet saying. that was a, the argument that doesn't <laughs> just tell them to be quiet everyone <laughs> be calm down sit quiet. down and be quiet children uh so it, mean, it turns out it's generational entirely yeah you mean the boomers Watch with subtitles and Gen opposite. Z does not. No, it's opposite. the opposite. You're kidding. No. I would have never guessed. Yeah, it says here in the Axios article, it says that TikTok helped normalize captions for young media consumers. And it says now more than half of Gen Z and millennial media consumers prefer subtitles. More than half. It says 59% of Gen Z respondents and 52% of millennials said they use subtitles. Gen Z males especially are watching with subtitles 61%. Well, I, 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 tell you I, guess, I, I guess I'm glad to know that Gen Z is capable of reading. <laughs> I've been very concerned that about is, this yeah. for a long time, but I guess this proves it, that they can read. Can I tell you why this makes me so angry? Why is that? So, look, I consume media because I like not only to hear what people are saying, but how they're saying it. And maybe it's just me or people like me, but you also catch a little something in the glint of their eye, whether they're looking up and left when they're making up an answer whether they got weird facial expressions when they're expressing something that they feel like they're on defense over. You can read something on a person's face based upon what it is that they're saying. And like good actors, for example, totally. good movies have this down perfect. That's the, it's like, you know, Zoomers watching A Few Good Men on their phone and they just read the caption, Jack Nicholson be like, you can't handle the truth. They're like, okay, you can't handle the truth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, just, like they will it- miss out on all that. Mm-hmm. It's, every moment from The Godfather, every one of those lines. Like if the you can't see Mike, none of that. If you can't see Michael's face, yeah. Or if if you can't see Jack Nicholson's face when he's delivering that you can't handle the truth, like you don't get the story. Nothing you don't matters understand to these kids. It. So you're saying they don't listen to the audio at they all? Can't you it's, can't? Well, the no, audio is down. They can listen to it, it, but they're not. But they're reading rather than looking at the face and the eyes exactly. and the expression. Yep. That's why subtitles mm-hmm. are truly detrimental to, to especially to films where it's like okay like chances are especially like films like Oppenheimer you've got directors completely obsessed with making the film as beautiful as possible and instead of seeing 90% of of the They're picture the- you're just reading where it's like just go home and read the book then dude go and read the book no it's it's unbelievable to me like I can't I can't understand what the future is if that's where a je- and to be honest with you it also interjects with my very serious concerns about the COVID era, where mm-hmm. you have a whole bunch of kids who are born into masked society, yeah. Mm-hmm. who in their formative years of trying to read expressions and understand emotion based upon what people yep. are saying, couldn't do it couldn't because do their it. whole face was covered. Yeah, And like the combination of these two things scares the shit out of That's me. That's a really good point. That's a great point. It really scares the shit out of me. Like, how is it that it's not important for a person to look at someone and understand what they're trying to emote you know, I, I, in addition to what they're trying to say. I've actually noticed this. Essentially, anyone under the age of 25, good luck getting eye contact. Like, mm. if you're having Come a discussion on. with them, I'm dead serious. Really? Like, especially when we're on the road. You know, if you have a discussion with anyone under the age of 25, they just don't make eye contact. 
They'll like stare at their shoes the whole because time. Because they're just they're just tweeting at you through their voice. I, like, I, I don't know right? what they're it is. Like, I think what? a lot of it might be like the socialization that you get. And that's why they prefer to like, oh, just watch the video on TikTok and read the words. But it's like, and, and COVID, I think, furthered this gulf that exists of where are, these folks, uh, it's horrible because a lot of these teenagers, a full year of their lives, let alone like they weren't even allowed to graduate with their mm-hmm. friends. They were all doing classes through Zoom. That socialization gulf exists. I mean, I'm telling you, there are some kids. There are some kids rebelling against that. I hope so. It's not. It, it is well, not. I met universal. one in Iowa. I met one a kid in Iowa who showed up at the bar we were at. Who, uh, you know, I mean, he's there with his mom, so he might have been under twenty one. Um, and like this kid was all eye contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was great, and he would talk to me about the things that he liked about the show and how it illuminated a piece of politics that are important to him that you know he doesn't get anywhere else and all that. And I was like, hey man, like shoot me a note, and I gave him my number. And I've been in contact with them. Like that kind of shit makes a difference to people like mm. me. And like, you know, I mean, I'm not uh, some significant guy who can king make for everybody. But I imagine there's a whole bunch of people like me in my age demographic who don't look past the fact that if you can't have a mm-hmm. eye-to-eye conversation with somebody, you ain't getting any further in this conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, there's a, there's a generational divide here. Oh, and- man. It's all ties together, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so Kamala. Jesus. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. This has just been hysterical to me. They're they're trying to remake her entirely. This is the the 30 or 40th. Yeah, version 42. (laughs) It's it's unbelievable. They're like, well, everybody hates her. Everybody hates her 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, 5.0. Right. Not everybody's cut out for this line of work. Right. So here we are at 12.0. Kamala Harris uh, tries to reshape her public image ahead of 2024. And this is according to Politico. All eyes on her. I doubt that. But that's been true uh, of Harris for a while now. Well, not my world. Yeah. And the view has often not been kind. Well, I agree with Quite that. Quite an accurate line. Yeah. Her tenure as Joe Biden's number two has not been known for relaxed and warm moments like those in Chicago. Instead, Harris's team has largely been marked by stilted performances at public events at odds with the uninhibited interrogator she was known for in the Senate. First of all, she wasn't known for a goddamn thing. No, she was not. She wasn't known for anything. Great point. It was just like Barack Obama and that she was there for a cup of coffee in order to try to elevate her own stuff to the next deal. Any any other interpretation of that is absolute fiction. Mm -hmm. Like she was nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing. There wasn't a serious person who was like, oh, the Harris staff is weighing in. Right. Let's make sure that we pay attention to that. Right. Nobody was doing that. Right. But in addition to that, now she's, she's, we've laid that as a baseline that she was that. And now she's got this horrible problem. They fueled whispers, Politico says, about whether she'll be a drag on the reelection ticket as 2024's races eat it up. Now her political future and quite possibly the success of the Democratic ticket in 2024 hinges on a simple question. Is it possible for Kamala Harris to make a second impression? Can, so, for a quick timeout. Can, can, can we get a count, Ashbrook, on how many of these articles have been <laughs> written? Like, oh, it's t- Kamal's going to reshape her image. Like, this is year three. Year three. How many? T- how many of these articles have we gotten over the past three years of like the team over at uh, you know Kamala HQ is trying to reshape her image and make it so people don't think she's a horrible person anymore? There's at least been fifty of them. I think at least. I think we should. I think we should come up with an official count. Yeah, and, and, and so and every, how does so she get? Time, we should come up with an official count. The, the one surprising bit of uh, competence out of her team is how do they keep getting publications to write this story? 
Like, how do you keep getting a publication to write, oh, here comes t- com- the new Kamala. But also, yeah, not gonna be also a baked into the baseline that we just talked about, that sh- somehow she was an ascendant star who is right. like a, a fierce prosecutor and thought of well that somehow that has eroded. Right. That, is never, that never existed. No, well, I mean, you got to remember, it's just, she, she is a Democrat. <laughs> and so all of the baseline stuff that her staff wants in the story will be in the story. That's just that's just the way it works for Democrats. And so the, the only idea- question is like in the in the drawback perhaps is conceding that she isn't the most popular figure in American politics. Uh, I'm glad, and you- that's the battle that we now fight. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's not the concession. It might sound like, as you say, because. <laughs> Even if the Democrat concedes that they might not be the most popular politician, let me tell you how it's framed by the media, and I will read directly from Politico. Okay. Kamala Harris seeks a second act as GOP attacks intensify. Okay. Here we go. Like, the only reason people think she's a moron is because Republicans attack her. It has nothing to do with her. You know, like, like there, there are, how many Democrats are there in this country? You know, like, we don't agree with them. But surely, out of the 150 million whatever Democrats there are in this country, there has to be one who is more capable of being a better vice president than her. There has to be. <laughs> I'm sure. At least 149 million, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's just so true. It's unbelievable. It's like, oh, well, H- Hank Truman is here. It just you misunderstood. Right. If what? it wasn't for the partisanship fueled originally by Rush Limbaugh and the move to horrible people on the right i mean it's it, it is true and they go through this just like endless thing about how she's now attacking everybody and recall recall and this is one of our issues with tim scott frankly recall how the issue non-issue about the uh curriculum in florida um that she'd seized upon that and like rabidly unfairly talked about how DeSantis and DeSantis alone Mm -hmm. had put in education curriculum within Florida that had basically said that slavery provided skills for the slaves that that helped them later in life, which was like absolutely unfair and completely ridiculous. There was a lot of discussion about Tim Scott and his campaign basically just taking all of Kamala's attacks and then running with them. Well, Like a week later, though, the, the whole thing had been... She she launched it. That, I, That's the thing. I think it, right. I think it right. goes to her ineffectiveness. Right. She launched this attack at a public forum where everybody was paying attention. And immediately, the guy who wrote it, a esteemed uh, African-American scholar who's got more degrees than a thermometer, mm-hmm. was all over cable news explaining exactly what it is that he meant when he was providing this curriculum. And the story went away. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Scott Tim showed Scott up like showed four up. days later and attacked it and it became a bigger issue. And so, and then like anybody who's supporting Kamala or Democratic side was like, see what an attack dog she is. Yeah. Do you remember what happened a couple of weeks before she launched that one-off thing? Gavin Newsom was on the cover of Politico. Oh. And there was all these rumors about how he's going to debate Ron DeSantis and he's the next, oh, you know. And, wow. and so Kamala Harris's, two and two team, together? Kamala Harris's team sees that and they're like, well, we can't let Gavin Newsom look like he's the actual president and waiting on the Democratic side. I have to stand up and do something. And then Tim Scott's team's like, no, we'll debate him first with these talkers. <laughs> <laughs> 
and like it is what it is and that thing is way in the rear view mirror but it does it's a good vignette as to how ineffective it actually took tim scott to make that a real issue Mm -hmm. it wasn't kamala who made it but listen to that so behind the scenes harris has vented her frustration about the customs of washington (laughs) and the beltway's obsession with conventional wisdom to close allies the customs of what? <laughs> Hold on, She's that. fighting against Hold on, Washington. Hold on, I bet that. At the same time, she accepts the increased scrutiny. There's long been consensus inside Harris's inner circle that the vice president needs to get out of Washington to hit the road more. More outreach and handshaking. Less time on Capitol Hill. We're we're <laughs> we're, we're like go there. we're like holy yeah we're like the 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 inference there is that she's like a creature of Capitol Hill where nobody even knows her fucking name. No, like I mean uh, to say that this the, this vice president is out of her depth in Capitol Hill is the most like understated statement of all time. She has no she couldn't persuade Bernie Sanders to back his own budget if she wanted to. <laughs> I mean it just doesn't. It doesn't work, but now, like, you know, oh, well, she's got to get outside. She, she's such a policy wonk, guys. Every, 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 every sentence that was written about her in this context has been written about some other politician sold by some other press secretary trying to circumvent the traditional Beltway media <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. It's like yes. <laughs> it's such a tried and true thing, and I, they're trying their level best, yeah. but she's a complete moron. Yeah, she is. And you, That's you, the whole problem. You cannot, you cannot pretend this otherwise it's not just an indictment of politics it's not just an indictment of like political communications it's a it's the indictment of pr in general Mm -hmm. which is like these are the levers that these idiots at these big firms pull that they think is like oh well well, here's the here's the first talking first talking point is that uh, oh she's entirely underneath the scrutiny of the belt which is a belt well really people like her outside the beltway (laughs) yeah they like her nobody fucking likes look at the poll numbers there's not a single person who likes her. In fact, if there's any base that this woman has, it's inside the goddamn beltway, not out. So here, here's my guess. I guess this is not- <laughs> it's just unbelievable. This is why there's so many articles. Is like so Kamala's team every Monday morning they meet and like she spent the past week being an idiot and doing crazy shit and saying weird shit. And so every Monday morning, they're like, okay, guys, what's our plan this week? And someone's like, let's just do a story about how. Kamala's 2.0 is about to roll up. <laughs> We're gonna change things, and people are gonna like her. And they're like, "Everyone cool with that? Yeah, let's try that again." And you know, and you know, by the way, you know, like, let's do this. You imagine like a nine o'clock Monday meeting after a particularly tough week, and they're like, "By Wednesday of this week, we're gonna put together an action plan." It's an action plan, and what we need is a narrative and an action plan that is a four-step product to get to the end result which is america knows kamala for who kamala is i can save them the time america does know who kamala 100 percent, they do they do in the end people know that she is a vacuous ambitious completely overmatched human for this level of politics and to be honest with you, it's sad that we have a society that sort of rewards it. Mm-hmm. She is now vice president of the United States for one reason and one reason alone. And that reason is because Joe Biden told the American people that he was going to put an African-American woman on the ticket. He promised that. That's how he got voted in in South Carolina. 
That's how they coalesced the rest of the Democratic Party around him. He, when, for, when Kamala couldn't even make it to Iowa. Right. She didn't even make it to Iowa. And then you look at the rest of the, uh, the ticket, white dudes mm-hmm. and Amy Klobuchar. So where are your choices? Right. They started floating like House members who you wouldn't honestly. And this is not specific to the House members that they floated. I'm just saying a lot of members in general, you wouldn't hire to mow your lawn. Mm -hmm. And they were floating these people as if they were going to be the vice president, which is ridiculous because there's only one person on the national stage. And it was Kamala Harris, who happened to call this guy a racist (laughs) on stage in front of everybody. And she's like, yes, you're the choice. You're the choice. It's incredible. And that's how she is where she is. Let's not pretend like it's anything else. Let's not pretend like she was once a very important prosecutor who's now all of a sudden lost her way and the American people can't figure it out. No, she is exactly what she is. You know, and one of the lines I love in this story is where it's like, but privately, (laughs) former and current aides acknowledge that her focus at the beginning was on making sure it was clear she was on Team Biden. (laughs) She's not Gavin Newsom. She's not looking to supplant Joe Biden. She's on his team. (laughs) And that was was right when Biden was like, well, we got a border czar here. uh, It's funny you say that because this story goes on. It's like she spoke in legalese, first of all. Like her big like speech about time and space. Yeah, like they're not, saying, there's oh, no legalese. Oh, you know, she's just an attorney. She just, you know, she's a prosecutor. Like that's the way she thinks. That's what she does. <laughs> <And> it's like, <laughs> it's like, she's an idiot. <laughs> she spoke in legalese. Often seemed cautious and struggled to find issues that highlighted her talents. Allies, they. Yeah, well, I've often thought that uh, she is indistinguishable from Earl Warren and John Marshall, but uh, in this case, I, I suppose that perhaps an additional flair is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's completely ridiculous. All right, all right, all right. So that's enough about Kamala. We've got one more story here before we get our, to our interview that I think is absolutely essential. We we talked about this last year, and Song, I think you forgot about this. I had earlier until I saw it in the docking guys like, no, we already discussed this yeah. before. So Sana Marin. This is the, the former Finnish prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um for those of you who are unaware, she's uh, now thirty seven. I'm not sure how old she was when she was first elected. L- mid- low thirties. Right. Yeah, she was at the time the youngest woman elected world leader, I believe. Like that was the record that yeah. she had. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And and uh uh uh, seeking to preclude myself from uh, appearing uh, sexist in any way, I will say she did stand out from a crowd mm-hmm. uh, in terms of your European leaders. She was very young, mm-hmm. exceedingly attractive, and got in a lot of trouble when she was the prime minister because she'd go to like rave parties and stuff. Yeah, I think, isn't that, she she got caught like at some party or something and the photos got posted on Instagram or something. She was constantly a problem. Yeah. Because they, she was like. But the thing is that like the public didn't have any issue with it. Now they were like, that was, that was no, the funny thing. send her back. No. Before she started, Finland was not in NATO. After she left, Finland's in NATO. And, 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 well, and to be honest with you, like, look, if you're Finland or any country and Trump is the president, you're like, what are we going to send over? <laughs> is she the worst choice? <laughs> not the worst choice. Right. Trump's, Not the worst Trump's going to volunteer himself to go over and mediate. 
He's like took her very seriously. Of course he did. So uh, according to the New York Post, the party-loving former prime minister of Finland officially ditched her pantsuits for party dresses and crop tops over the weekend, just months after leaving the nation's highest office and her husband. There you go. Hey. Sana Marin, 37, showed off her figure in several stylish and scanty dresses as she joined friends for the Flow Festival three-day musical Bender in capital Helsinki. The youngest female world leader in history. That's something. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A known partier shared numerous pictures of herself while enjoying her politics-free lifestyle and what she called a proper summer vacation. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Huh? This is going to be another Britney. Like, I can already see Wait, hold on. It's that she's putting the photos up on Instagram. We all know what she was after in the first place. She wasn't (laughs) trying to help out Finland. She was trying to get Instagram followers. Yeah, but she... She figured getting elected is the way to do it. She's like, okay, I got that out of the way. Time to up the Instagram followers. Ditch the husband. I'm outraged. That's what I'm telling you. I'm outraged. She waited till after her term was up to go on vacation. Joe Biden does it every week. She got elected for the Instagram followers. I guarantee it. I'm telling you, folks... Well, she cuts a better Instagram picture than Joe Biden. I'll just tell you that. Oh, for sure. But I'm telling you, this is going to be another Britney. I see this coming. Same thing all over again. So you you recommend a conservatorship? (laughs) Probably. You know, that's probably not a bad idea. I think that's outrageous. I think this is a... Another example of how uh, women in power are looked upon unfairly. Mm. She's an attractive young woman who likes to have fun. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should reward that kind of thing. We'll do a follow-up. We'll do a follow-up. This is going to be, I'm going to say, within two years. This is going to end in disaster. Oh, you're, you're telling me that she, this is going to, we're going to follow her throughout? This will end in tears. This really? Will end, mark my words. In two years, this will end in tears. I think there's a better chance that she's president again before there's... Uh, tears. We'll, well, we will stay on top of this story. I, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Okay, Smug. All right. Well, with that, uh, a great segue into the one of the kings of the Senate, uh, one of our very good friends, and God made a Grassley, Chuck Grassley. All right, we're here live at the Swine Barn with the legend, the man himself, Senator Chuck Grassley. Senator, thank you so much for making time for us today. And thank you for visiting the best state fair in the nation, the Iowa State Fair. I mean, there's no question about it. This is just an incredible place. We were here two years ago. Yes. And in two years ago, we did the tour. Now I feel like it's old home week. We're seeing everybody, we're doing this, but you've been doing this forever. I mean, this is like, you have to feel like everybody here knows you. Never missed a year since 1979, and I actually come a few years before then, but uh, on a regular basis, I get here at least one day. Last year, I was here three days. Well, I mean, it's it's the greatest show on earth. And yeah. We've got we got huge pigs. I yeah. mean, look at the size of that thing. Yeah. That is just yeah. a... Yeah. Is that the way they're, they're, uh, they roll in Iowa? You get yeah. pigs like that? Yeah. They—that's uh, the king of. Uh, that's the king. That's the king of all things. Yeah. Well, listen. I know that we have been interested in everything that you've been up to in Washington. In addition to everything you're doing here in, in Iowa, Smug in particular is taking great interest in your oversight. And you started the whole investigation into into Hunter Biden, into the finances of of foreign overseas assets and whether or not they're coming into the Biden family. And you're not a front runner. You know, you're you're not a show horse. You're a workhorse. Yeah. So not everybody knows, but it started with you, basically. Yeah. So you you started the entire investigation that's led us to this point. 
where we that, that where we are at right now. And I don't think a lot of folks have followed from the beginning. How did this whole process begin in this investigation? Well, we had the usual things that you ought to be able to get from the Department of Treasury, uh, transactions that were so-called flag, quote unquote flag. That doesn't mean that there's something illegal about it, but it's questionable. Mm -hmm. So we asked for those things from the Treasury Department, and even, even under a Republican presidency, we couldn't get them. So we knew it involved the Cathay Bank mm. uh, in, uh, I don't know, Hong Kong or someplace yeah. in Ch China. And uh, uh, we wrote them and said, we'd like to have these documents. And we got loads and loads of documents directly from the bank. I said to my staff, how could we possibly get that? And my staff thought that they thought we were subpoenaing them. And we couldn't subpoena because we're, it, it's a long process in the United States Senate. So we got all these documents. So a couple of years ago, Johnson and I were able to show these documents where Hunter Biden was getting $100,000 a month on several different documents. We showed those documents on the floor of the United States Senate. So that's the first time that the public knew that possibly he was getting money uh, from some yeah. Chinese engagement. In this case, an energy company uh, called CEFC, I think is the name of the company. Wow. And they had contacts with uh, uh, Russian military, Russian intelligence, uh, Communist Party, uh, just everything that ought to raise a red flag among people that are watching this stuff in the United States government. Now, I'm very thankful that Republicans took over the House of Representatives where they got subpoenas and they're going deeper and deeper yeah. mm -hmm. than Johnson and I could go. And I'm really thankful that they have that power that we don't have in the United States Senate. Well, I'm grateful you got it started because we wouldn't know about any of this. And it seems like every day more and more is uncovered, but you opened the door for all of that to happen. So I'm tremendously grateful. Yeah. People can go to our speeches a couple years ago on the floor of the United States Senate and read three speeches that Johnson and I gave three different days on that subject. Yeah. What I find so amazing is that you are, your oversight has been bipartisan since the beginning of your career. And you have gone after everybody, whether they have Republican constituencies or Democratic constituencies, whether they're corporate, whether they're personal, you've done it all. What I find so fascinating is now, because if this oversight happens to not fit a press narrative, you got to work harder to get attention to this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Because we, uh, I just heard a figure on TV that maybe because MSNBC and CNN isn't caring anything about Hunter Biden, 50% of the people in this country don't even know about it. Wasn't, isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's incredible. And what's really wrong, it's a principle of journalism yeah. throughout the history of our country that journalists are the policemen of our political system yeah. to keep government honest. Right. And they aren't doing their job. They're not and, doing it. And uh, if they were doing their job, there'd be less work for me to do. All they need to do is come out here to the Iowa State Fair and they can get the job done, couldn't <laughs> yeah, they? They, they could. talk to a few of these fine people. Yeah. They know what's up. This is the real America. This is right? real America. Uh, Washington's an island surrounded by reality. <laughs> What's amazing is you've never forgotten that. You're, you've been, yeah. Yeah. so tell me about the farm. What's happened? What's the crop, what are the crops? Well, like? this year it's very dry. Seven inches of rain short of last year. So last year we had a bumper crop. 
we probably will not have a bumper crop this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, w but that farmers know that. Yeah. So when you have uh, uh, you have a good year, you save some money for a bad year. Yeah. That's yeah. what you have to do. Well, you always have a nice some nice corn regardless, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, you guys, geez. Yeah. And then, by the way, that's what I'm getting in, into when we get out of here. I got to eat some corn on the yeah. cob, right? Thanks for throwing that, yeah. Fellas, you want to get in here? Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Sir, your, uh, your career in oversight is legendary, but maybe even more so is the way you've represented this state for an entire career. You brought Iowa to Washington, and now with social media, you're bringing Iowa to the rest of the world. I don't know if you know, maybe you do, how many people are actually watching these videos that you do, where you explain corn, you explain the process, and if people didn't hear that, they wouldn't know how much work goes into this. I mean, it just seems to go right over people's heads, or they don't care, or whatever. But now that you're doing it, people are exposed to a whole world they never would have been exposed to before. And so it's in, I think it's just incredible the way that you have built up this new persona. And I wonder if you ever thought in your wildest imagination that you would be tweeting into your iPhone or sending out videos of you talking about corn to the entire world. No, but I saw a necessity for doing it yeah. because only 2% of the people in this country feed the other 98%. Yeah, yeah. And too many people in New York City think that food grows in supermarkets <laughs> and not on farms. Yeah. And I want to explain to them what it goes into. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's necessary to uphold the family farm operation. It's the most efficient production of food in the world. And Iowa, uh, Iowa consumers, American consumers, spend less of their disposable income on food than any other country in the world. Yeah. Now that's up 10% because of Biden and yeah. Bidenomics, yeah. but it's still uh, a fact of life that uh, even though food has gone up under Biden, uh, the food is still cheaper than it is any place else. In and it's the world. American yeah. and it's Midwestern. Yeah. Right? Very yeah. much no, so. that's exactly yeah. right. And I just think that Iowa is very lucky that God made a grassley and so are the rest of us, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, last thing is we're, you're going to give us a little tour guide. Uh, what should we do here? Where, if, okay. you were, if you were us and you have the rest of the well, day, where would you go? What I've done every year since 1979 go see the buttered cow oh yeah okay see the biggest bull yeah we're now at the biggest boar yeah biggest pig you can say uh we're going to go see the biggest ram uh sheep nice and then uh you should uh, eat at the pork tent and have a uh, pork chop on the stick which yes. is really a bone you know yeah and uh that's the things that I try to do. Oh, that sounds like a great Something agenda, doesn't it? If you if you go if you go to the uh, telephone history uh, building, uh, you'll find the radio phone that I first used when I was a, a new member of the Senate. Is that right? Yeah, which is is nothing more than a gigantic, uh, uh, what you might say. Uh, Everybody can listen in. You yeah, know? right. It's just like and a then, simulcast. And then, you know, these uh, cell phones that you used to carry around the bag. Yes. You'll right. see You'll see that You've there. You've got that there, too? Yeah. You went from that to a social media star. Well, How about that? Starting in 2007 or eight, I went on Twitter. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, you really kind of led the way with that. 
Well, I, mean, I think of all of your colleagues, you were kind of one of the earliest adopters of yeah. trying to tell the message not only of what your work was in Washington, but what Iowa yeah. is to the rest I, of the world. I led the way on the first fax machine that a senator had. That's wild. That's and wild. I, and I led the way on the first uh, senator to do a satellite feed back to a Q&A from Iowans here in Iowa to Washington and I could answer their questions. What, what do you chalk that up to? Is it just a constant curiosity about information and how people are consuming well, it? I mean, because you literally, at each stage of your career, you're sort of pioneering new ways to talk a, to people. It's a principle of representative government. If you're going to represent people, you got to know what's on their mind. Yeah. That's why you hear about the full Grassley. I started in 1981. Yeah. I go to each of the 99 counties every year for 43 years in a row. I've still got 14 counties to finish this year. I'll get done on August the 29th to have a meeting. But I just see a few thousand Iowans face to face every year. I got three million constituents. Yeah. So I tell the people that are at my town meetings or the people, the three million people that aren't there, you got to email me, postal mail me. If you phone in and leave your name and address, we'll answer on paper. But representative government's dialogue between me and my constituents, oh. that's why I do it. It's just fantastic, isn't it? We are so thankful for you. Thank you for everything that you've done and you continue to do. And thanks for taking time with us today. Senator Grassley, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. I mean, what a treat. Not only do you get Chuck Grassley on the show, but you get him from the Iowa Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, seeing him in his element, you actually do realize... Beyond, I mean, we, in Washington, you you always see what he's effective at, and you, you understand that he goes after everybody, regardless of their political allegiances and whatnot. He just wants the good government, and he's been great at it forever. But then you walk, you look at him in the pig stall mm-hmm. where we were, and you immediately understand why it is that Iowa's voted for this guy for as long as they have, because that dude just flat gets it. One of the things that the camera for our show did not pick up is the line of people that gathered. Yeah while we were interviewing him and then after we finished one by one he talked to all of them and some of them he knew by name yeah, yeah. It, was, it was so impressive they weren't wearing name tags they didn't they didn't you know they didn't appear to be like local dignitaries they were just people at the fair and he knew them by name sharp as attack yeah you know and then we had breaking news we dealt with with him separately where he talked about the the special counsel and everything and he didn't even need to call staff he was like i know it let's talk about it i mean this is that is a different level of stuff Mm -hmm. iowa you're very very lucky to have a guy like senator chuck grassley representing you yeah well i think we did it i think so absolute banger of an episode if i may say so myself folks get ready the pregame show tomorrow 5 30 eastern 4 30 central on youtube be there for sure so until next time minions keep the faith Hold the line and own the lips. We'll see you at the pregame. Stay ruthless.